Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. God is good. We have been in the series in Ephesians, walking through the book of Ephesians and what that means. And uh, I, if you're not enjoying it, I am. And that's all that matters. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm loving this book and what God is speaking to us. And uh, this week, he starts diving into unity in the body. It's literally the head in chapter 4, chapters 4 and into chapter 5. Unity in the body, which is, as a pastor, it's kind of a fun one to talk about. It's also not, because everybody's like, are you talking about me, Pastor Brian? I promise you, I didn't write the Bible. (laughs) It was already there. It's been there a really long time. I had no clue whatever's happening in your life would be happening today on the date we're doing this. So uh, if you're like, That's, this is directed at me, just be like, well, it's directed at me too. I struggle with this as much as everybody else does. Um, it's directed at all of us because it's God's word. So uh, funny stories about unity. I've read this a while ago, a few of these, and some of you may have remembered them. But this is a true story of Reasons Churches Split. True stories of how, and actual real stories of why churches split over the years. Number one, uh, this was responding to Tom Rayner, who put, who's a pastor, was head of uh, Life, Lifeway for uh, a long season. And, and he, uh, he did a poll that turned into, he just thought it was too good. Actual things people said to him of why a church split. One, argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Yeah, people left the church over that, right? So, sorry, Chase. <laughs> um, you know, for the record, I'd be on your team. I've, I've been on team beard. Now, I try and grow it out here and there, but I look like the non-thin Zach Galifianakis. I kind of look like a homeless Santa, so that's why I don't grow it out and shape it. It just... It doesn't go well for me. Um, So uh, fight over whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. Playground. Yeah, playground, okay? I could could probably figure out at what age, whose side, what was on, right? If you're like 70, I'm 78, and I could use a plot. You know, that's that's what they're thinking. Always go with the playground. Bury somebody somewhere else. When uh, We started at Taft, which is right up the street. Anybody remember what was right across the street? Cemetery. I was like, this is kind of ominous. I don't love this. And uh, I was like, well, one of two things will happen. You know, like nothing, or we'll see him raised. All right. Um, three, a deacon accusing another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and decided to settle the matter in the parking lot. Yeah. That has not happened here yet. Um, Howie's off, so off the board now, so it's fine. Uh, I'm kidding. We'd we'd all lose to Howie. Uh, A church dispute of whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. So what was happening in that restroom before? I don't think I want to know. Like, that's a lot of fellowship. Um, 
a church argument and vote to decide if a clock should be in the worship center or not. I'm guessing their pastor was against the clock. <laughs> uh, 45-minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet to purchase, black or brown, two, three, or four drawers. A fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. And he writes a note, I wonder who took the pictures. <laughs> it's fair, right? Uh, a big church argument over discovery that a church budget was 10 cents off. And somebody finally gave 10 cents to solve the issue. Which, like, that's the person who's got the right idea. You know, they get it. They understand unity. A disagreement over using the term pot luck instead of pot blessing. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. I get it, saying, oh, we don't believe in luck. We believe in blessing. But now the term pot blessing has a whole new connotation. <laughs> Right? Especially in Illinois. Like you just can't, you can't win sometimes with some people. It's just, and, and why? Because we get off. We get off center. We get off what is the main idea. And it's interesting, those first three chapters are really talking about, it is all about Jesus, right? It's not about anything else. Some people, it's about winning souls, and I would say, yeah and no. It's about Jesus first. Because if you invert those, you know what happens? You give up the gospel and the truth of the word for the sake of souls. Which means you're not actually winning souls. That's no good. Right? So, or it's all about Jesus. It's all about the worship. Yeah, if it's all about the band, but not who the band is lifting up, uh, at the end of the day, even if you have record contracts, for what and to who? It's all about Jesus, right? It's all about, it's all about how good the pastor is. It's all how they can deliver a message and love me and show up at all of my events and all my doctor's appointments. Man, if it is, then it's not about Jesus. You need the pastor to be Jesus. Let me tell you, he will not be, or she. I will let you down. Stick around. It'll happen. Give me an opportunity. I can let you down. <laughs> I remember, like, because we're human. We can fail. Stuff can happen. Remember, we went to the church planting boot camp. And I won't say the organization because I don't want them to feel bad. But they were like, if you follow our plan, you can't fail. It was like a Tony Evans seminar. It was like, is that his name, Tony Evans? Robbins, not Tony. Tony Evans is good. Tony Robbins, not so much. Tony Robbins, um, he gets up there and, you know, you're going to be awesome. They were like, if you do this, you'll never fail at a church plant. And I just remember sitting there, I think I even turned to my wife, I'm like, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I could fail. Give me a chance, you know. Because if you don't make the main thing the main thing, Jesus, the center of it all, it begins to break down. There's a famous story I've shared with you guys. James River Church, very large church in Springfield, Missouri, 10, 12,000 plus. They started in the early 90s. And, and God just blessed them, and they kept growing and growing and growing. And that wasn't the goal. Matter of fact, the pastor has said in multiple occasions, I never wanted to be a megachurch. I never, well, that was never the desire. If anything, I ran away from that, and God was just like, this is what I'm doing. But but he shares this story. They, they were interviewing him for like a magazine, you know, Christian magazines and publications run out and they're like, tell us your secret, you know, so we can sell the book, so we can sell the magazine, etc. cetera. And, and he just basically like, how long do you think this keeps going? And he just said to him, 
for as long as we keep our hearts right. That's it. For as long as Jesus is the main thing and we're unified. As long as our hearts stay right, this thing stays right. And the moment our heart gets off, it just begins to break down. And that's true in every area of our life. Right? You want godly unity, keep Jesus the main thing. And then to keep Jesus the main thing, then you're going to be fighting for unity. Because that's his heart. How many of you have kids that when they fight, you're just like, I don't care. Stop. Right? She took my thing, and then I took her thing, and so she decided to pull my hair, and I scratched her face. So will you punish her? <laughs> right? That's the conversation. A daily occurrence in my household. And just calling a Nathan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Gloria and Chad just going at each other like, oh, stop. Why? And there's so many times it's like, I don't care what you're fighting about. Just stop. Because as dad in the house, it's almost always stupid. Now, if my five-year-old Glory has a knife, then it's time to step in, okay? But the other times, it's like, work it out. Let it go. And Paul writes to this church in Ephesians that is this young, growing church, much like us, and kind of in a loving way, rebukes them, but also kind of is just coaching them because for what he, as, as an experienced church planter, leader, apostle, knows is going to come. And what's going to come is disunity. Disunity will come. It's a matter of what we do with it. It's going to happen. Matter of fact, I should rephrase that. Disagreements will come. Disunity is a choice. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go verse 1 through 5. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. So he's in jail. And he's, he gets perspective. Something about incarceration that just makes you realize this is maybe what's the most important thing. He's incarcerated. He's in another city in jail writing to them. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, that's just it right there. Make allowance for each other's faults. They're toxic. I can't have toxicity in my life. What's that mean? Well, it, it means they want me to pick them up. At times it's inconvenient for me. That's toxic to my life. Make allowance for each other's faults. The Bible literally says that's a shortcoming in their life. Might even be sin. It's broken in them. Make allowances for it. Stop trying to correct it all the time. Take a deep breath. Now, this is the same guy who deals with a lot of sin in the church over and over. And he's also saying, but major on the majors, minor on the minors. People's things you don't like about them, even if they're spiritual, let it go. Okay, keep it going. 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. There's one body and one Spirit, and you've been called to one glorious hope of the future. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and living through all. Long story short, condense it down, unity is top priority in the local church. Unity is a top priority. I will admit right here, right now, there has been numerous times, I've been in ministry 24 years, full time. And there has been plenty of times I fostered disunity. I'm guilty. But literally, even before this morning, I was outside walking, just repenting in my own heart. God, the times I fostered disunity, I'm sorry. I fostered it in my marriage. I fostered it as a dad. Because we're human. And we make minor things major things. Now sometimes they are major things. If it's in a physically abusive marriage, that is a major thing. And somebody needs to step away. Because that can't happen. Okay? But there are minor things like, you know, he always pulls the covers over himself which is just a sign that he doesn't really listen. <laughs> that is not a sign of that. <laughs> you know what that is? It's just called being human. Get a second pair of covers. Nobody has to get divorced over this. <laughs> it's okay. So it's summertime, right? And we're, there's like a heat wave coming in this week. It's going to be hundreds of degrees. Now, in our house, I like it at a certain, I am good at, how many people are the under 70 degrees people here? Raise your hand. Okay, no, keep them up. Keep them, put them way up. Under 70. You're from India, and you want it under, give it up. Tony's my friend. <laughs> right? Okay, now how many are like 80 plus? Put your hands up. God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> it's evil. Okay, here's the thing. This can't split a marriage, but you'd think it could, right? I'm good at like 72. Year round, just 72, right? Winter, so that's a steady, that's a, I think that's a more than fair number. My wife cranks it up to 78, 80 degrees. And she's got a blanket on. She's cold-blooded. It's just, it's, it's awful. Why? But it could easily, what's amazing is something like that, over enough time and enough years, the Bible actually says, don't let the little foxes spoil the vine. Easily that can creep into something bigger and major and grow and grow and fester in our hearts to the point of bitterness and even hatred. And Paul is warning against this don't go there. Fight to guard your heart. Unity, unity, the enemy of unity is offense. It is being offenses. And Jesus said, offenses will come. They're coming to your door. Some of us were good at offenses, like we're the great white offense hunter. We will find an offense anywhere, we can, anywhere they exist. And some people aren't. They're more easygoing, they're more laid back. You know, it doesn't matter. 
Some of us are more sensitive. Some of us have just been through a lot. It's easier to get offended. You know, it's okay. It's okay. And we all have seasons, too. There are seasons we're more offended than others. And that's okay, too. Right? If you're going through a tough time, it's just easier to get offended. But ask yourself this question. Is this a biblical Christian walk following Jesus issue or is it not? And if it isn't, can you sh- we should be able to let it go. Now, if you can't let it go, you know what you do? You go and try and make it right with them. What you don't do is say, I'm going to make it right. But what you're really thinking is, I'm going to make them right. <laughs> right? I'm going to steer them straight. And that always just goes super well, doesn't it? It always just goes our way, and everybody's like, thank you for all those things you just said to me about me. <laughs> None of us feel that way, right? Sometimes we do need to hear some things. But sometimes we also need to hold our tongue. Say, our Lord, change me. Grow me up. You know, can I let this go? Can I toughen up a little bit? Is this, real, is this a major thing or is this a minor thing? Is this a kingdom thing or is this a me thing? And you should know unity in a local church, unity in your life, unity in your marriage. Unity is not go along to get along. Unity is coming together for the sake of Christ because his body, his church, is more important than my autonomy. We live in such a hyper-individualized time that what we want, the way we want it, how we want it, we have somehow deluded ourselves into thinking it's a biblical issue every time. Jesus lives in me, and I want this, so there we go. (laughs) He does live in us, but we don't always act like him. Sometimes we have preferences and ideas and thoughts, even if they're better ones doesn't mean they're a biblical one. Really, if it's not found in here, if it's not found in the word, we can't make it a major issue. And it's amazing how much we can. You wrote that letter. You said this to me. That guy's beard's too long. You could... I remember we were reading something about marriage a while ago, and it said something about marriage. And this guy had basically said, we stopped fighting a long time ago, because I basically said, anything I get mad about, does this have to do with my faith or the direction of my family? And if it doesn't, I can probably let it go. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I fail that test a lot. <laughs> you know, how many of us fail that test in marriage? How could you? Uh, it's disunity. It breaks down a marriage. It breaks down friendships. And Paul warns against it. Don't go there. Don't do everything you can. Humility, gentleness, patience, making room for faults, and fight to keep the bond of peace. Fight for peace. And the most, the most you're going to fight for peace is your own ability to be offended. Pastor Brian offended me this week. I hate the color blue. <laughs> I mean, you, you can find something. 
Oh, the music was too loud. It's just too loud. Okay. Good thing we're not worshiping you. <laughs> and, and it's okay if you're like, that's not my preference. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I encourage you to acknowledge the things that you don't always like or have a different preference on. So it doesn't fester, but also recognize, but it's just a preference. There are churches that are Jesus-loving, passionate people, and they will sing hymns, and their hands are tied behind their backs. But they love God, but that is not my preference. I don't want that. I want to lift my hands. I might even jump every so often. Only so much, though, because of this, you know? But... But that's just a preference thing. Really. There's some churches you're like, they got flags. I don't like it. But it's a preference thing. And others like, oh, I won't go to church without flags. Thanks for coming. (laughs) You know, I I don't know what to tell you. Because our unity is not about our autonomy. And he goes into the the next section. and, And there's... We're living in this time of this hyper-individualism, and we think the enemy is nationalism, right? Because Hitler. And that was nationalism. The truth is, everything in this, all nationalism isn't bad, right? All passion, because you can love America and not think America is God. You can. That's okay. Say, I'm not from America, I love my homeland. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a patriot. You know, now if your homeland's like Iran, you've got a bigger challenge to walk out. Okay. But you can love the people and the culture without loving all the governance. Right? So that's a level of patriotism. Same thing with the kingdom and the church. We hyper-individualize. I don't need the church. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. Holy Spirit speaks to me too, but I need the church. Why? Because he told me I do. Where would I be without the church? I, I, I hate to tell you this, but you're saying, I don't need the church. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the church. Somebody shared Jesus with you somewhere. That's called the church. And they help save your life. And that's a good thing. And the church is filled with problems. You want to know why? Because it's filled with people. And we all got our problems. You're like, I just want this church that's doing this and this and this. And I would encourage you, when it comes, go where God's called you, not so much where they meet all your needs. You're better off going to a place and a people where you can meet a need instead of them meeting yours. All right, that's me banging my drum. And he, he starts going into the next section about what are the offices in the church. And the reason why he starts with unity before office and gifting is this. Because you have to get down unity before you seek out ministry. Say, I'm a leader. Okay. Can you serve? Well, I, don't, I shouldn't have to serve. I'm a leader. You don't really know what a leader does, do you? <laughs> you know, like, I love you. Like, we got to serve. That's, that's what Jesus modeled, servant leadership, right? What does he do? He washes their feet. That was the lowliest job. 
the king of kings and lord of lords, gets down on his knees, says, give me the towel, give me the wash basin, to people who, I don't know if you know this, they didn't have Skechers then, or Doc Martens. You know what they had? Sandals. And they walked everywhere. And they had animals on dirt roads. Washing feet, they walked through a lot of stuff. Literally, nasty, gross. That was the lowliest, most peasant servant job. And the king of kings says, I'm going to do this for you. I will serve. The moment we get ourselves out of the place of saying, I don't need to, I, I, I don't serve like that. That's not my gifting. I would tell you, your heart's wrong. Get it right. There are certain things we're capable of. Not everybody can be at set up and tear down at Thrive. I get that. I understand. Some people, my back isn't good or, or I, you know, I've got, a, I've got a crying baby. I can't get there. Okay, no, no, no. Nobody's, nobody's looking at you saying, why aren't you here? But what I am saying is if it's like, I don't do that because I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> That's not a good place to be. All right. So he goes into verse 7. However, he has given us one of a special gift through the generosity of Christ. There are gifts Christ gave to the church. And here it is, the fi- what's called the five-fold ministry. Apostles. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we're mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full standard of Christ. We'll know, then we'll no longer be like immature children we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and teaching, and we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that sound like clever truth. Not everybody's called to one of the five ministries. I do believe most people have a bent in one of the five. Nobody is all five except Jesus. And if you're like I am, you're not. <laughs> Because it's not in Scripture. It's nowhere in Scripture. We can all move and we can all touch different offices. All right? We can all move in different ways. But none of us can be all five because that is God's job. All right. Here's the main point of this section. The main point is knowing the office is proper placement. God wants to properly place you in the right season and section of ministry you are meant to be in. He wants to help you find your lane and be good at it. So what are these offices, okay? Understanding understanding proper placement is saying, I know what God has called me and gifted me to do, and I'm going to do that. And he gives a list of those things. What are those things? And he starts with the apostle. Now, I'm a continuationist. We are a continuationist church, which means I don't believe the Holy Spirit stopped working when Scripture was done. Holy Spirit still works today. He still moves. The gifts of the Spirit are still in operation, and so are the offices. The apostles, probably the trickiest one, because people self-identify themselves as one, but have influence over nothing. (laughs) Okay, so the apostle is a leader, 
a father or a mother in the faith, as an overseer of ministry, usually as an overseer of other ministers who are ministering. Often, it is somebody who is a pastor or other leader and, or has been in the past. And they have, abil- they have an ability to see the large aerial view. So we have, in, in, we are part of the Assemblies of God as a fellowship, and we have a district, which is the state of Illinois, the, our district, a superintendent. And his name is Phil Schneider. He was here at our five-year anniversary. Roy Rhodes is the assistant superintendent. He was here like a year ago. I would argue those men, though they don't carry the title, are apostles in nature because they are literally leading leaders and overseeing. Now, is, that, is it confined to that? I don't believe that it is, right? But let me give you an extreme example of the other end. So I think this is really funny. I'm picking Colin up from Bible college this past year. If your friend listens to this, I'm so sorry, but it was hilarious, you know. He won't listen anymore. Okay. <laughs> so the night, the night I show up and we... Steve and I, I love that place. It's home. It's where I met, my, met the Lord in a much deeper way, where, where I met my wife. I think the world of Christ for the nations. And they pull in speakers of all kinds from everywhere, and they're great most of the time. <laughs> but this one speaker gets up there, and he, he's like, hey, and you can just tell he's heavy on prosperity and, 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 and the prophetic, which is not always a great combination. And he, he just starts going, oh, let me tell you about my ministry, and I have this, and I have that. And he's just going on. And a lot of boasting, right? Just not humility. And you're like, this isn't great. Let me show you some pictures of my family. Here's my adult son and his wife. Here's my adult daughter and his wife. Let me show you my family. And then he shows a woman who's definitely half his age, maybe not from this country, and, and children that are two and three. And he's like, this is my wife, and now my kids. And he goes on. Does anybody feel like something's missing in this story? <laughs> right? So obviously something happened in your life between this, and you don't have to tell us all that, but I do think, all right, well, biblically speaking, the best case scenario here is somebody died. <laughs> all right, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> right? So obviously something broke in his life. He's now remarried to somebody much younger than him. He's well into his 50s, and he has toddler. Well, okay, not going to judge your life. Let's move on. And then he starts talking about the fivefold ministry. He starts talking about the apostles. And then he goes into apostleship, and he reads this verse. Am I right? It was this verse? I think it was. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. And then he starts talking about the, and he's like, and only the Holy Spirit can tell you if you're an, you're an apostle. Only the Holy Spirit. Nobody else can. Colin leans over and he's like, doesn't the scripture actually basically deconstruct what he just said? I said, yes, it does, Colin. (laughs) But the next day, right, because apostleship would be affirmed by other leaders. And it's a recognized position based on the anointing of God in life and the influence he's carried in you and how you now pour it into others. Right? And that's true of any gift, Okay. If you're like, I've got this gift and nobody recognizes it, you may not have it, okay? <laughs> I'm good at Spanish, but nobody knows I'm good at Spanish. <laughs> you don't speak Spanish. I don't know what you speak, but it's not Spanish, <laughs> okay? So, 
The next day, as we're packing Colin up, his roommate comes in. And he's like, hey, how are you? Oh, real spiritual. And, he, and he, he starts telling me, he's like, we're just sitting on the couch. And he's like, he leans over. I mean, I'm kind of looking straight ahead. And he turns and looks at me and he's like, you know, I'm an apostle. <laughs> yeah? Yep. <laughs> Only the Holy Spirit can tell you you're an apostle, you know. Yeah? All right. Well, good talk. <laughs> and he goes, he literally leaves. And Colin goes, you know, he flunked out this semester from sleeping in too much, right? <laughs> so we have got a very low bar for apostleship these days. <laughs> we got to raise it back up. So the idea is offices are not self-appointed. They are self-evident, but they're not self-appointed. The next one, prophet. So a prophet is a person who represents the voice of the Holy Spirit to bring, this is based on scripture, encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. You can look it up if you want, 1 Corinthians 14.3. They're often more abrasive. They're often not very pastoral. But they're often poignant and needed. And it's an office, and some people are more prophetic than others. Often those people, you don't want them to counsel you. They're terrible at it. But sometimes they're a great word in season. They have an ability to hear the Holy Spirit. They're also people. And man, you can pour living water through a dirty filter and you know what's going to happen? You're going to get some dirtiness. Sometimes the prophetic through a person gets a little off. Doesn't mean that person is off completely in their life. They're just human. So take the good, leave the bad. Some of you are like, that's me. That's my office. Good. And I would encourage you, step into that. Grow in the prophetic. We're actually having Ted Gary come back. He's going to do a weekend on the prophetic in October. He's going to teach on Sunday. If you don't remember him, he shared on the Father Heart of God, how he saw his daughter healed of asthma and things like that. He's coming in October. It's going to be awesome. He's going to share all about it. He preaches all over the world at YWAM bases on this. He's phenomenal. But he's also grown in that gift tremendously. I remember him even pointing out to me one time, I was sharing this with uh, the Novaks the other day, where he was talking about uh, a prophet that we had both known. He said, that person, notice that person never grew in their prophetic gift. It always stayed the same. The, the, the hard point of the person who's more prophetic or in the office of the prophet is they, they think because they have that spiritual intuition, they don't necessarily need spiritual authority. You do. You, you want to work in tandem with that. It's unity. It's from God. God established these offices. They're good. Okay, next one, the pastor. So I would argue the modern-day pastor is not always an apostle, but most of the time, most of people who are apostolic are pastoral. Okay, you can say, I disagree. All right, but I see it biblically. Every single apostle pastored people. All right. One who leads, teaches, and cares for the body to equip them to be the body. Leans towards caring and direction over immediate action. So some of you are some, I am pastoral, I think. I hope so. Some of you are like, why aren't you taking action on this, Pastor Brian? And usually it's because, because I don't want to be reactionary. It literally, the term pastor means shepherd, to care for sheep. Now you are not Actual sheep, and I'm not an actual shepherd, okay? I'm an under-shepherd, okay? And we can all move in that, but it's a caring, leading role. That's what it is, to equip the body to go 
do the work of the ministry. We're, uh, we're talking the other day, you know, it's one of the reasons, why hasn't the church bought a vehicle to tow the church? Well, it's not that we can't or couldn't, but the reason I haven't is because I know what will happen. Eventually, it'll be like, why don't you just tow the trailer, Pastor Brian? And I'm very willing to. And I have. It's been seven years, and there's not too many Sundays I've missed of setup or teardown. It's not because I'm awesome. It's because I'm not above it, and I never want to think that I am. I'm not a big deal, Jesus is. But I also know my job is to equip you And if I afford us the ability to not do something, you know what happens? We don't do something. (laughs) So, because ministry is so much better us than it ever could be me. I can't minister to kids at RFK like you guys can. I mean, I can go and try, but could I? No. I can't do tech like these guys do. I can't pray for people at your job. I can't raise your kids like you could. It's my job to help you do that as best I can. Do you see that? Are you with me? Okay, moving on. Teacher. One who is uniquely able to direct and train God's people to greater understanding on subjects. Often a strong communicator. Patient. Usually not very abrasive. The prophet and the teacher don't cross over a lot. Not that they can't. Okay, we're human. There's crossover and things. But people who are more gifted to teach are not as prone to be like, let's hit the streets. <laughs> you know, I want to get in your face. No, they just want to explain. Reichert had that personality, our former worship leaders, and, and he, that's what he's going for now, is to move in the professor. He has a heart to teach. And anytime time he spoke, he's like, wow, he's smarter than Pastor Brian. That's true. <laughs> totally true. Because he's a teacher. And they're great at handing information. But they're not great at lighting your fire and saying, let's go. You know what? They're great at like afterwards like, man, I need to think about that. How do I apply that to my life? They don't give a lot of altar calls. Right? And that's okay. Some of you are great at teaching. Lean into it. Don't run from it. Don't be like, well, that's not as sexy. That's okay. All right. Evangelist. One who witnesses and is exceptional at winning souls shouldn't be tied down to serve in the four walls all the time of the church. We don't have them, but um, struggles with bringing them, but then on the other hand, they can struggle with bringing them into the fold. The strength of the evangelist is they win souls. So I pick on her a lot, but LaDonna is an evangelist. She's straight up it. Now, multiple of you are. I know that. I can name a lot of you. I'm just picking on her today because I know she'll love me at the end of it. You will too. I'm falling all over myself today. So (laughs) Jesus has an ability to be winsome with people, and they want to know the Jesus that's in her. But sometimes the evangelists win souls in the streets, but they never bring them into the fold. And that's the downside of the evangelist, is because they miss winning a soul versus discipling a soul. And yet, that's not really in the Bible. Jesus didn't say go and win souls. He said go make disciples. So 
See him come to know me and then see him grow in me. And if you're like, but that's not me, Pastor Brian. I don't, I'm not good at that. I'm good at sharing. I'm good at praying with him, but I'm not good at, you know, moving him along. Great. Get him here and we'll get him to the right people. We'll get him surrounded. We'll help raise him up. That's what we'll do. All right? And what I want you to get from all of this is praying through. Our growth track does a great job. Our growth track is... A, a thing, a four-week class, or, or you can do it one week in a long Saturday morning where we just talk through your gifts and abilities. And it's a great time. And you can figure out, am I any one of those? What is my gift and ability? You'll actually take a test. There's a couple of them. There's a personality and a spiritual gifts test. And you can kind of figure it out. It's awesome. And you can learn how, but you can also figure out, what's my lane? How many of you at your job... Have ever been asked to do something that is beyond your job requirements? Hands up. Yeah. Uh-huh. My first ministry job, I was like, yeah, I'm the youth pastor. And he was like, great. Shovel out all the mulch, mulch uh, and then put in new mulch. Um, you're going to shovel the snow. You're going to shovel the stone in the back to create a creek and numerous other. And you're going to work in the daycare cleaning up their puke and, and other things. And I was like, uh, what about my sermon? Direct quote, do your sermon on your own time. Now, I don't remember my job requirements <laughs> saying anything about child puke because I was pretty sure I would have caught that. <laughs> right? Now, that's all good. God used it. That's not a complaint. He was in it. It's fine. I need to learn to serve more. I was young. I was brash. I was arrogant. And God used that to make me a little less so. (laughs) But here's the thing. We all have moments where in the kingdom, we start stepping outside of our lane, and it starts hitting other people. Matter of fact, take a look at this video real quick. There's no sound, I think, on it. It's just a video. Watch it really quick. All right, so this guy's driving down the road. Just a few seconds. And as he's driving, watch what happens to this person coming in. This person decides to come in on the highway Merge in. I'm going to merge a lane. I'm going to merge another lane. And there we go. Doesn't go well. Right? Ends actually quite badly. That's it. But what would have happened? See, they came in roaring, blazing, and saying, I'm going to get in that lane. Instead of saying, why don't you ease in and stay in your lane? Some of you, you're like, well, I, I'm, I know I'm a teacher, but I, wanted, I, just, I want to be an apostle and lead leaders. And like you're forcing, trying to force people to follow you, and they're just not. Instead of being resentful to God for the gifts you don't have, why aren't we thankful for the gifts that we do? Stay in our lanes. Some of us, they're like, I just want to call the shot so badly. And this is something I've learned so much over the last seven years. And this is something Mark Driscoll says often. If you want to call the shots, you're going to take the shots. Some of us, they're like, I want to call the shots, but you don't realize what it comes with. There's a lot of pain. And here's the thing. Here's the worst part. You can't fire back when you take those shots. Sometimes I want to fire back. 
because you find out sheep bite, right? Like, that's not fair. God didn't call us to fair. Find out what your lane is and stick with it. Be the best at what God has called you to do. Don't worry about what the other guy's doing. You know, I go to AG stuff and, man, this is the pastors of big things. And, and it's, you look at it and you're like, God, why aren't I there? Why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I married like that person? And why aren't I, why aren't I, why aren't I wealthy like that person? And why aren't I? Disunity is creeping into your heart because you and I are trying to get off the lane God called us to be in. He's gifted you with something that the other person can't even do. You know how many people would have quit at this? But I, I have this thing. I, you know the meter in you that says you've got to stop right now? You know, stop this. You're go, you've gone too far. Quit it. I don't have that. <laughs> when it comes to something like this, I just don't quit. Till I know God's finished, I, I just don't stop. That's why we're still here. And not, no, I'm not taking credit for me. God's why we're still here, okay? But that's why I'm still here. Because he put that in me. I just don't quit. Which is sometimes pretty stupid. Sometimes it's even bad. But God also uses that weakness as a strength sometimes. He moves on to talking about what do we do with that? How do we take our office and this unity and, and now live out personally with Jesus. And he starts going into personal behavior. Talking about, throw, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your nature to be created like God. Don't let anger control you. And I'm just going to read a couple of things, but skipping down, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Use your hands for good work. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving. Holiness is something God is calling, to us, calling us to. And holiness is a practice. It's not a person, except in Jesus. Holiness. You want to be, you, we want to be unified. We want to know what our lane is. And we want to be holy. We want to be like him. Because we realize it's not about them. It's not about what's wrong. It's not about the other people. It's about me. Walking with him. Acting right. He, he kind of gives like lists here. And these lists are... Your old nature is lust, it's lies, it's letting anger rule you, it's stealing, it's slander. That's what the old man does. That's who we used to be. But the new man, the new man is, is marked by love. The new, the new person in us is marked, we tell the truth, even when it hurts. We forgive. We're slow to anger. We're not led by our emotions anymore. We're led by the Spirit of God. We give generously. We speak with a tender heart. And it's all 
this unity, knowing what our office is and staying in it, and practicing this holiness. It happens by making Jesus number one. Man, I want to let them have it. Yeah, but, but, but what would Jesus have you do? Man, I, I, I am so hurt by this. All right. Is Jesus hurt by this? I'm so confused on this, and I don't know where to go. Have you turned to Jesus? Have you assumed that he is God and still in control, and he knows what's going on? So there's a song I kind of wanted everybody to hear, and I want to just take a posture of worship as we listen to this song and ask ourselves, where am I in that unity scale? Have I even ever figured out what my lane really is? Or am I resentful because I'm not in somebody else's lane? And lastly, am I practicing holiness? Like I'm pretty unified. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at anybody. I, I know what my lane is and what I'm good at and what I'm not. But I've really given up on, holiness is the pursuit of walking with God in our practice and the things we choose and do. And some of us, I think even more so if we grew up in the church, we hit the pause button on that at some point because we think, well, I'm moral. But moral doesn't mean holy. And scripture at the beginning that we read says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. has a sensitivity to him that his heart is hurt and he he doesn't leave us but he pulls back in our lives when we've behaved in these ways that are slanderous, disunity angry, not staying in our lane and just glad with what he's called us to do and be we said, I, I'm not worried about holiness anymore. The Holy Spirit is grieved. I would argue that's what's wrong. A lot of what's wrong in the American church today is holiness just isn't that important. Nobody cares about unity. People think they can do everything instead of just what God's called them to do. And He's grieved. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.